Hello, and welcome to Festival of the Mind. In this episode, postdoctoral research associate Dr. Stephanie Hills talks to artist Lynn Chapman about their collaboration exploring plastics and environmentalism. Hello, my name is Stephanie Hills. I'm a postdoctoral research associate in corpus linguistics at the School of English. I'm here today talking to Lynn Chapman, who's an artist that um, I've had the pleasure to collaborate with as part of our Money Happy Returns project. We're here today in Jessup West at the University of Sheffield. Yeah, uh, my name's Lynn Chapman. I'm a fine artist. I primarily work these days in three-dimensional textile work, but it's kind of fluid and uh, I often use all sorts of other things in my work as well. So it's kind of multimedia work. But for this project, it's primarily a kind of textile sculpture. All right, Lynn. So I've only joined this project in March, but this collaboration started a bit earlier than that. Um, so could you tell us a bit about how it all came about? Around December time, the university holds what they call an Ideas Bazaar and they throw the Great Hall open and invite artists and researchers who are interested in potentially working together to come along and do what is effectively a day of speed dating. And you, you have coffee with various different people and you chat about what you're doing and you try and match up with people. And I'd done quite a lot of plastic sculpture. So I thought, how could I attract attention to myself as opposed to all those other artists in there? Um, so I wore a plastic sculpture hat that I'd made, which was quite ridiculous to look at. Um, but it was brilliant because I really did stand out. And what's more, because it was plastic, it attracted the team at Many Happy Returns because their research was in plastic and, and plastic reuse. So it was the start of a conversation. So we had a little chat at the Ideas Bazaar and then we decided that we'd meet again. And we had what was a really, for me anyway, really exciting couple of hours where I went along to the Arts Tower and I sat down with representatives of, I don't know, maybe six or seven different departments at the university. And I actually hadn't realized till then that I was gonna be working with a team that was pulled from all the different departments because you can come at this from so many different directions. So there were people working in labs, looking at the uh, carbon footprint of all the different possible plastics right back to square one. There were people trying to test the destruction plastic bowls that you might have in reuse projects. There were social scientists looking at why we don't reuse plastic more. There was all sorts of different things. So it was absolutely fascinating. And I just learned so much over the course of that meeting. I thought I knew a little bit about it, but I came away knowing so much more and feeling really energized. And, and kind of that was the, the sort of jumping off point, really. So what element of this research particularly sparked your imagination? It was interesting that it happened. I didn't have to think about it. I was a bit concerned that I wouldn't have any ideas before I went to the meeting. And I thought, oh, dear, what if nothing, you know, catches me? What, I don't know what, what's going to happen, you know. 
But I needn't have worried because it was the English department. They were looking at the language that people use to talk about plastic. And the thinking was that if you want to try and change people's behaviour, you need to talk their language and you need to understand really at core what the problems are that people are, are feeling. And so they had this computer that was like sucking up like a big hoover all this language off of social media. And they were taking it from Joe Public, but they were also taking it from the industry, from recyclers and manufacturers, and just looking at what people were saying and creating this corpus, which is a word I had not come across until I met you guys, creating this big kind of language world, corpus of language around plastic. And just that was just bonkers. And I loved it. And I immediately felt that I wanted to do something with that. Yes, so we have built a corpus, um, or actually two corpora, totaling over five million words, both from public-facing discourse, but also consumer-generated discourse, all around the topic of plastic reuse and sort of cutting down on single-use plastics. In particular, sort of, we've looked at um, texts from local authorities and from retailers. That's in the public-facing discourse in our Corpus One. Um, and then in social media um, discourse, but also we've also held some focus groups. Um, that's Corpus Two, basically, where we're looking at how do consumers communicate about this topic. One of the analyses we do in Corpus Linguistics, one of the first steps, basically, is something called keyword analysis. Keywords is basically a sort of, you know, relative frequency of certain words, because that can give you a good idea about sort of the some salient themes. One of the words that popped up a lot, particularly in the uh, consumer generated discourse, was the word but. Now, but is a conjunction, and it's often used to express conflictedness and obstacles. And well, that is the word that you also then picked up on for your artwork. So I suppose that's sort of how you then got the idea for the final project that you're now presenting here. I was kind of looking for a way in, really. And then when I found out about this word, but, that really gave me something to focus in on. And I just loved the idea that it was all about conflicted ideas and it because it resonated with me. We're all the same, aren't we? We all want to do more. We'd really love to do this, but real life is like this. No? And so that was what all these phrases were. They were all expressing this same kind of conflict in lots of different ways, but people were always feeling frustrated. And, and it was the same really, there were similar sentences coming from industry. So I thought, right, okay, this is how I'm gonna approach it. You were fantastic, Stephanie, because without you, I don't think I could have possibly done this because the next stage really was to pull out specific sentences that hinged around the word but. But I already knew that what I wanted to do was to hand embroider these sentences onto um, kind of strips of fabric. And so I knew that they couldn't be very long. So we were putting a limit on the sentences to like maybe 10, 11 words. 
um, with a but in the middle. And that actually was really difficult because most sentences were twice that long. So Stephanie was fantastic and she went through, trawled through this mass of stuff and kept emailing me lists of sentences and, you know, are these any good? You know? And so I was sort of cherry picking from those to start doing this hand embroidery. And, and hand embroidery is slow. It's really slow. People kept saying to me, I was sort of posting the work I was doing on social media, and people were saying to me, you're mad, why aren't you doing this on a sewing machine? It would be much quicker. But my practice is really very much about the slow pace. I can, I have got a sewing machine, I can machine sew, but I found the process of machine sewing a little bit stressful. Um, when things go wrong, they go wrong really quickly. And I like the fact that with the hand sewing, I'm very much in control and it moves forward in this almost meditative way. Lynn, you picked up on the amount of time it took you, but also you mentioned the challenge of finding uh, sentences that are um, the right sort of length, because obviously these um, strips of fabric that you were using, you know, there's only so many words that we can fit onto that. And that was indeed a key challenge for me as well to then go through our corpus um, to find sentences that would work for this, um, especially with the added constraint that the but needed to be more or less in the middle of the sentence, um, which, yeah, did also take me a considerable amount of time, nowhere near as long as hand embroidery. Um, I would say in my case, this was a couple of days uh, worth of trawling through. And, um, you know, I've, I have ways of like looking for particular patterns, of course, that is part of corpus linguistics, but actually um, doing it on a word level is quite difficult. So a lot of it ended up being fairly manual. So yes, I can extract the sentences that contain a but, but I can't necessarily extract the right kind of sentences, basically of the right length. That was manual labor in my case too. Yeah, um, and it was quite a challenge, but um, it was also really fun. And of course, it was also part for me of, um, of the bigger research process here because we're obviously writing about this as well. One of the current papers that we have in progress at the moment is looking at the buts. Well, actually it's looking at the ifs and buts finding these examples had other positive effects for me because it also they're also usable examples for the write-up of this research for me so right so mindful that we've now talked a lot about um, this artwork and people can't even quite imagine what it even looks like at this point so could you explain the nature of it and what it's actually trying to get across i started to think about the fact that this was about what people think and it was about how they feel. They're feeling confused, they're feeling frustrated, things are conflicted. So I thought, well, actually, that does lend itself very much to the idea of hats and headdresses and things that actually are associated with your head. So it felt quite natural for me to suddenly go, yes, okay, this could be some kind of massive headdress. And I didn't want it to be a solid thing, like the things I'd made in the past. I, I wanted the idea that all these thoughts are whirling around in our head and we are just a bit confused. And, and as a society, we're not really sure which way we should be going or at least how to get there. Um, there's just so much stuff to think about. It's complex. 
So I thought well, it, would, it would be really interesting to try and have all these phrases hand embroidered on these quite wide strips of fabric, maybe about three inches wide, um, but, quite, but very long. Have them whirling around into this sort of massive twirling mass of, of words and phrases. So I started to build two headdresses, one for each of each corpus. I decided I wanted them to be different colours to express the fact that they were coming from slightly different places. And I more or less arbitrarily chose this kind of brilliant orange and a liney zesty green colour. And, uh, and I, I've built these big, they're like conical frames really, that are solid, they're about a metre high. And I've just been experimenting with how I, how I managed to create the impression that all these things are flying through air. And it was, it's been quite difficult because I did this great drawing <laughs> where we were pitching the project and I managed to, to actually design the idea that I wanted and it, 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 was look, it was saying all the things that I wanted it to say. And then when we got the, the, the get go ahead for the project and I'd done all the embroidery, I then had to think, well, actually, how do I, how do I actually make this work physically? How do I construct something where things appear to be in midair? So the, the kind of the challenges for me the last half of the project have been actually trying to build this thing that looks what, like what I have, you know, in my mind, if you like. And so what, what we've got in the end is something that in total is about a metre high, but about two, two and a half metres wide with both, of the, both headdresses. And the, the things fly around are supported, hopefully almost invisibly, by bits of wire that come out. And, they and the words kind of flow between the two headdresses so that they're, they're linked, but they are separate. And the idea is that these are, these are quite big. They're a lot bigger than your head. And they will be suspended in the gallery on a kind of pulley system because I wanted people to be able to get inside them. So, uh, but I didn't really want them to be sort of low. So we're going to be able to raise and lower the two things together so that people can wear the headdresses and I thought it would be absolutely great if we could get people to take photos of themselves in these headdresses and they can choose maybe which of the corpuses or what's the plural of corpus? Corpora. Corpora, which of the corpora they, they identify with perhaps and alongside the visual the sculpture we're going to have a soundscape and the soundscape is made of all the sentences that I've embroidered, all the sentences from the research with the button. And we've had a, we had a really fun time in the recording studio actually getting loads of volunteers to come and, and read all these sentences, mixing those together to create something that is almost like a piece of word music that goes with the work and also tries to express some of this kind of tension and, and worry and anxiety that we all have around all these issues. Lynn, this isn't your first collaboration with academic research, is it? This is probably a bit different to what you've done before. So could you maybe tell us a bit about that, about what you've, what you've done before and how this is you know, a completely different experience? I have collaborated with academia many times before, 
but I have two hats as an artist and I've not actually been doing it very much as a fine artist. Up until COVID anyway, um, I used to earn my living as um, what I call a reportage artist for want of something clearer. I'm like a fly on the wall and I paint and draw very quickly. I accompany uh, various ac academics on their research. So it might be during research interviews, I might be sitting on a seminar or a conference or whatever really. What I do is create a visual record of what's going on and I draw people, I sort of paint them and write what they're saying and kind of weave this visual narrative that basically gives you a piece of artwork that represents what happened over the course of an hour and a half, say. That's the way I have been collaborating with, with academics a lot in recent years. But the difference between that and what I'm doing now as a fine artist is that I don't have to bring ideas to that table. What I have to do is bring my, my skill and I'm responding to something that's happening. Whereas the work as a fine artist is quite different because I'm bouncing off very much from someone else's ideas and having to come up with my own ideas that are quite conceptual. And that's actually a very new field for me. I have done this a few times now, uh, but this is by far the largest project that I've done. And it's been a bit scary because I thought, well, I'd really like to see if I can do this because I love collaborating. I've really enjoyed all the other projects I've done. Um, I'd love to see if I can do this as a fine artist. But when I first did it, I just really wasn't sure if I could. And so I've started on a couple of little projects that were unfunded. Because I thought, well, if I stuff up, it's not quite such a big deal if nobody's paid for it. But they went okay. And so I got more confidence and I, I went along to the Ideas Bazaar and thought, right, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to jump in with this. And I'm really excited by how well this collaboration has gone. And with the fact that, yep, I did come up with an idea that does seem to have worked and we've got something that I'm really pleased with. So it's, yeah, it's, it's been very different, but it's also been very exciting for me because I'm starting, really starting to prove to myself that, yeah, this is, this is a, a way in which I can work. It's a very different process and I'm enjoying it a great deal. So, yeah, it's very, been, been a very interesting project for me. I mean, how's it been for you? I mean, you know, because of course you're coming at it entirely from the other side. I mean, have you worked with artists before? How did it feel when you first kind of started to get wind of what we were doing? Yeah, well, it's certainly absolutely novel to me. Um, I mean, I joined this project and um, I joined as a linguist. Uh, I'm here for the language. I'm here for the data. And then I was told that um, actually we have this uh, collaboration that we've got funding for for something called the Festival of the Mind. Never heard of it. I'm not from Sheffield originally. I had no idea what that was. And I was told that, well, you know, this is an artist and um, her name's Lynn Chapman and um, she's creating headpieces, hats from your corpus. So I thought for a bit, I was like, wow, that sounds a bit wacky, <laughs> but also kind of intriguing. Um, so really I... Um, I was going into it open-minded, but I was also going into it a bit like, 
I have no idea if I, you know, if I'm even the sort of person, you know, I, I, I did not know how to collaborate with artists over this. I mean, I'm interested in art. I'm quite creative myself, but I'm not really. It's, it's been, you know, total new territory for me. When I then went ahead to um, meet Lynn and, and I saw her sketch of the headpieces, it actually sort of really fell into place for me. It was like that, you know, that's not just, yeah, I mean, it is possibly a little bit wacky, but that's kind of the point. Um, it's also actually absolutely brilliant. It shows um, the, the conflictedness of the discourse so beautifully. You know, it really sort of brings it to life in a way that, you know, I would struggle to communicate otherwise just how fascinating. I mean, I'm obviously fascinated by language and I could talk about language all day, but to particularly pick up on the buts and, and, and on this sort of um, conflictedness and on the obstacles that people are facing and to turn it into this um, sort of beautiful and really impressive and actually very large piece of art for the public to engage with, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I was actually sold pretty quickly at that point, <laughs> despite my initial doubts. Um, I mean, not even doubts. It was more like my initial, like, oh, wow, this is different <laughs> and not quite what I expected, not quite what I expected from the job even, to be honest. Absolutely sort of broadened my horizons um, in that respect. So, And is that then something that you think you're going to be doing more of as a result? Yes. For somebody who sort of, you know, language and sort of, you know, communications... That, that's sort of what I do. But actually, sort of science communication through art isn't something I'd ever done before. And it's certainly something that I want to, con I want to do more of in the future. I want to absolutely um, consider those sort of collaborations as part of uh, future projects um, sort of upfront. I think this is a really, really cool way to engage the public um, and to communicate research to lay audiences in an engaging way and something in a way that you know people will also you know find it memorable a lot better than just like you know listening to a you know a presentation or you know looking at a poster which is sort of the generic way we communicate research sort of other than articles um so so yeah no it's, it's definitely going to be um sort of this this collaboration has definitely encouraged me to to do more of that in the future thanks for listening if you like this episode, please subscribe. We love to hear your thoughts and responses on social media. Find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.